0: to Westcon Gab and Grow. It's a podcast about people, places, and things that will help you to be successful at Western. Today's episode, we're talking about developing a four-year plan for graduation. And our guest once again is Dr. Missy Alexander, who's the provost and vice president for academic affairs at Western. Welcome back. (laughs) Thank you, good morning. You know, when I was in school back in the dark ages, um, most students came to school when they were 18 and they spent four years there and they graduated. And I think over time that, that timeline has kind of elongated for a lot of students. So I'm wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about what you think might have shifted and why it is taking students longer these days to finish school. Okay, well I think there are a lot of factors.
1: Uh, some of the factors are the fact that uh, the kids who are coming to school now, students, young adults, are frequently working, managing uh, more than just a traditional college experience. And so it's hard for them to necessarily do a full load every semester and, and keep on, on top of things. So some of those students then get off track. Um, in terms of a four-year plan. Some of those students would be better served with a five-year plan, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's something that really we need to have a lot more discussion about here, you know, to say it's not a mistake to go for five years if we make a plan, right? But that happens, more often than not, it happens to students accidentally, Mm -hmm. right? And it happens to students accidentally because they realize one semester or two semesters that they can't keep up because of external factors. Other times, it's because they change their major. And so there are certain critical requirements that they're missing and they have to get back in a cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, That can happen. Sometimes it's a transfer thing. Sometimes students, by the way, like to stop out for a while. Mm -hmm. And that's not a bad thing, again, if it's a plan, right? right? It's a perfectly good idea to say, I'm not certain of my major. I'd like a year to go try a few things out and then come back and really commit. And that's something, again, I'd like to see students do more intentionally mm-hmm. if that's best serving them but for most students four years is still a good marker it's how you plan it right mm-hmm. should you do it in, in the traditional semesters or should it be a mix of some summer and traditional semester those are things that need to be thought about so I think that you know a lot of variables about the mix of students you know we are a mix of residential and non-residential students all of those students whether residential or non-residential mm-hmm. tend to have a job Right. tend to have other obligations. That's pulling some of their attention, and the traditional model may not work. So I think that's part of what's contributed to this elongating of the undergraduate right. experience.
0: Well, you had come to one of our programs in the halls before and talked about the idea of a four-year plan, mm-hmm. because I think a lot of students come in and they they don't really understand that. Mm-hmm. So can you talk just a little bit about... Um, that idea of making a plan sure. and a four-year plan.
1: Sure. So so it's easy to make a four-year plan if you know what your major is. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's just start with that. Let's get to the easy job. If you have a major already in mind, even a general idea of a major, then it's simple. You sit in you sit with an advisor or with the catalog, look through the requirements, and say, okay, how do I want to organize this over four years? There are little tricks. You have to make sure that you understand what prerequisites mm-hmm. are there. You know, So, for example, let's say you want to be a psychologi- psychology major. You want to make sure that you're ready for psychological statistics. So make sure you've got your beginning mathematics done. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's not that big of a de- deal. But here's the trick in psychology. There are four courses in a row that you need to take as part of the research sequence. Mm-hmm. And so you want to make sure you get started on that early enough to get through it before senior year, right? All the rest of psychology can be taken relatively. You know, I need some of this topic and some right. of that topic whenever you feel like it. What the what's the good course? But those you have to pay attention to. So that's the kind of thinking that has to go on. Similarly with, um, say, biology. You want to make sure you've got the right math beforehand, et etc. So that's easy. Mm-hmm. Okay, and we have some templates out there that students can download. They're in PDF formats, uh, in the um, uh, program sheet documents. They're in catalogs. Your advisor is the best mm-hmm. guide here too to go through this with you. So that part's easy. And here's the fun stuff you should think about. You know, so I'm looking at the courses now. I want to say, is there a good minor that I can put with this? Right. You know, let's let's say I'm a. Um, I don't know, an art history major, an Mm -hmm. art major, and it's really great. But more often than not, people who are in the arts end up having to manage their careers themselves. So maybe they want a minor in management Mm -hmm. or business or something to go with that. So that's the fun part, right? So here's here's my major, now here's a good minor. There's also fun things to think about, like maybe I can do a semester abroad. Are there critical prereqs that I need to do to clear a full semester to be away? That kind of thinking is a little more challenging, but not that hard if you just sit down with your advisor and map it out. You know, And it's really exciting stuff, so students can do that. And I would add the other is if you can get an internship in. Mm-hmm. Can I get a full-time internship, maybe a whole semester? Maybe I want to go do something in uh, New York City for a semester, right. for example. Um, there are ways that you can organize your schedule so you're not behind when you do those mm-hmm. things. So that's the kind of thinking if you know your major. Right. When you don't know your major... We've done some work to try to help you, right? And so you will see material about this probably in the coming fall. But right now, what we're doing, it is behind the scenes. Students who are coming in undeclared are being put in what we call pre-major pathways. So we try to look at your interests and Mm -hmm. put you in a pre-major pathway towards humanities disciplines, social science disciplines, or STEM disciplines. And so we're making sure that you get critical prerequisites in your first year, even though you don't quite know what you want. Mm -hmm. So that while you're in your first year experience course, you can be asking questions, but knowing that you're going to get the prereqs you need, right? There are some majors this won't work with, you know if you're going to be in elementary education you've got to know coming in if you're going to be a music education major you've got to know coming in but for the majority of things you've got a little wiggle room we just want to make sure you've got the right math the right writing courses early on to give you the foundations you need
0: and doesn't that too for people who don't really know what they're going to do give them a chance to kind of get a feel for what they need to do in order to continue with that?
1: Absolutely, and, and really what we advise is in your first year, you spend time talking to faculty about majors. You know, things that you're interested in. So something we're launching right now are first-year courses for Undeclareds that are called the First-Year Humanities or the First-Year Social Sciences. So a first-year humanities course, which is being taught in the Philosophy and Humanistic Studies Department, will talk to you about all of the kinds of humanities majors. You know, there's obviously the Philosophy and Humanistic Studies, the Interdisciplinary Degree, but anything in literature and writing and communication and history, to talk about all of the ways that those work, even, I would say, art majors would mm-hmm. be included there in theater, even though we tend to move those more pre-professionally, there's there's a component of it that's a liberal arts degree. Right. To help students say, well, which of these would work for me? And take the time to think about it. The social sciences one helps prep you for, obviously, psychology, social, sci- sociology, anthropology, economics. And uh, political science in arts and sciences, but it's also a good way to explore justice and law administration, mm-hmm. uh, which is and even social work, because it's really a those are very applied social sciences right. fields. So it gives you time to explore those. There's a BBA, uh, the business administration mm-hmm. first year um, course that you can take while you're thinking about that major, that also has some critical prereqs in the first year. For STEM disciplines, most students are already aware of what they right. want, because they you really need to get in there early with some foundational courses. But even there, we've got a little room and some conversations in, um, in the bio uh, FY, you can be thinking about mm-hmm. some other things. We're working on an additional STEM-based one, but most are in discipline specific for that. But this is our way of trying to give you critical foundation so you have time
0: to make your decision right. and not be behind. And that gets you on track for your four-year plan. One of the things that I've noticed with students um, is their mistaken idea that 12 credits is enough to get you through in Mm -hmm. four years Mm -hmm. because 12 credits is what makes you full-time. Correct. And so, you know, um, could you talk just a little bit about whether or not that's a good idea? Sometimes it is because sometimes they've got those those other obligations Mm -hmm. or there's a class that's going to be particularly tough. Mm -hmm. But I think... I see a lot of students who start out at 12, struggle with something, drop something, and now they're down to part-time status. And that has a lot of other impacts besides just getting the credits.
1: Mm-hmm. So so let's start with the first. You know, The reason that there's that mythology is that 12 credits is what qualifies you for full-time status, which qualifies you for full-time aid, and all sorts of other things. So people know that that's the minimum. Signing up for 12 instead of 15, and 15 is what you need per semester to get out in four years, mm-hmm. right? Or approximately. Sometimes you've got 16 and 14, but more or right. less it's, <laughs> it's 15 on average. Um, that, ha- that is what you should really be in okay, to get out of college in four years to get through in a traditional trajectory. Um, but sometimes, you know, let's say you need uh, a couple of really intense courses your first semester. You might want a, a lower load, You need to catch that up, Mm -hmm. right? And so the trick is to figure out how to catch it up uh, so that you don't get behind on credits. More often than not, you can get your major covered, right, right, in that 12. And so you're sort of shocked to discover you have to do, I don't know, electives all Mm -hmm. of a sudden (laughs) that you didn't plan to do because you weren't doing 15 a semester. So sometimes it's a good choice to do 12, but it's not a good choice to do 12 all the time. Right, and so what I advise students is to look at, first of all, opportunities for uh, things that are one and two credits to catch mm-hmm. up. You know, and we're busy trying to create a few more of those opportunities right. for our students right now, which I hope to have in the next year. We've got a couple, but mm-hmm. I'd like a few more to help you catch up. Right, you know, if you if it's a good choice to do twelve this semester because you have to do bio and chem and calc. Right, that's enough. Mm-hmm. Right. But then the next year, you've got to catch up. So how do you get a couple credits here, a couple credits there to catch you up on that? Uh, similarly, sometimes the best thing is to just do a summer course. Mm-hmm. I know that's an extra expense, but the truth is it's not really if you're trying to do four years straight. Right. right? When you think about adding a whole fifth year, mm-hmm. that extra dollar in the summer is not quite as daunting. You right. Know? Uh, and budgeting for that so you can catch up when uh, when when you, when you when it's best for you to slow down. But let's be clear. I have some students every year that come in that I think, you know, you should just really plan for five years. Mm-hmm. You know, this major is extremely challenging. You were really passionate about it. And I think you can succeed. But I think that you are will not do as well if you do 15. Right. You know, and you might be able to catch it up in the summer. But if that's too hard, and you're better off with just you know, maybe you have to work all summer to earn your pay, Mm -hmm. to help you support things. Well, then make the make the fifth year plan. You know, and let's budget your aid accordingly and Mm -hmm. everything else. Um, I'm thinking, you know, for example, meteorology. Right. Right. You can do meteorology in four years if you come in really strong in mathematics from the start. Mm -hmm. But some people don't, but they love this career. Many of our students in meteorology really persist. Yep. They really want to do it, but they're not ready right away. Then it's better to start right away with the let me just go slightly slower mm-hmm. and you can do it. So, you know, it's not a failure not to do it in four years. Right. It's a good thing if you, to do it in four years if that's the best thing for, you know, your both your career plans and your financial uh, situation. But in reality, for many students, five years is a good idea.
0: Right. I think it's all about intention. Yeah. I think it's about knowing what you're capable of, what your responsibilities are, and and how you need to finish.
1: And I would yeah. I would also add that for many students, when they come into their first year of college and they see five classes, mm-hmm. they think it's not a big deal. Right. Because in high school, they took many more than that. right? Mm-hmm. But they, it is a big deal. There's just a whole higher level of expectation, mm-hmm. and five is a lot more work. Mm-hmm. And so they don't quite realize what they're getting into. For many mm-hmm. students, they realize the slowdown. About midway through the first semester, they realize, yeah. oh, I should have listened. And mm-hmm. so what we want to do is help you recover from that as quickly as possible you know say okay quick let's do it so maybe in the spring we'll do the 12 because these foundational courses are really rigorous and you're adapting then we'll find the catch-up plan over the next couple of years
0: now one of the things that's different for returners this year is that change in schedule Mm -hmm. that uh, we spent a lot of time talking about on campus last semester could you talk just a little bit about what that is and how that decision came about? I think for our incoming students, it doesn't mean as much because they're used to a five-day schedule. Mm-hmm. and um, But I've heard from a lot of our returning students that it's made things a little more difficult for them just in terms of wrapping their head around it, mm-hmm. A, and then trying to do that schedule because they've become accustomed to having different days of the week off. Sure.
1: So let's just start with the the history, okay? Um, Western had five-day schedules until just a few years mm-hmm. ago, right? We adjusted our schedule overall to mostly eliminate three-day-a-week classes, the 50 minutes a day, right. uh, because we found that most students preferred the two-day structure of classes. Mm-hmm. That didn't mean a two-day schedule. Right. Right. <laughs> And so when we made that adjustment, we didn't plan for the spread very okay. well. I mean, that was just an error on our part, yeah. right? And so what happened is over the course of a few years when we got all the classes to two days, or most classes to two days, mm-hmm. we found that Friday disappeared, right? Right. Now, the disappearance of Friday is problematic for a number of reasons, not the least of which is compression of the schedule, Right. right? So that students are, all of the classes that they need are in the same time slots and Mm -hmm. so we needed to spread it out and make that more available. It's also the case that there are still uh, a a core component of classes that do meet meet three days a week. They don't look like the 50-minute classes. It's our labs, right? right? So in math and and in sciences, we have three-day structures that need to exist, and so it works better to understand the week differently to support those. So what we did was try to reconcile that, slide basically okay so i understand that the returning students only ever knew that other thing but the truth is it wasn't very long ago that we were on the other thing so we've gone back to that so we're hoping that that spreads things out now we've got i think a good base the fall looks good in terms Mm -hmm. of how things are spread across the schedule i've been working with the registrar to try to get percentages of offerings at time slots, so we really spread it out to try Mm -hmm. to get that Uh, compression of Monday through Thursday from 9 to 2.30, which is when everybody wants to go to school, Uh, we can't accommodate that. We don't have enough rooms to Mm -hmm. do that. Um, So, and also, of course, it, it, the reason it was done so quickly was because we have construction going on. Sure. But it was actually already in the works. Mm-hmm. I just you know, had to make the decision quickly right. because we had to close a building. So this is meant to do that. Now, um, we will tweak it, mm-hmm. and we have been tweaking it as we get, okay, this isn't working quite right with this thing. But, and we still have some compression. I don't have quite enough spread, right. but it's getting better, and I hope to have uh, even better predictive tools for this going forward. but right now we're doing it you know based on let's do make sure we have this many on this day mm-hmm. and this many on that day. Um, so the thinking behind how we decided what was uh, on say Monday, Wednesday versus Monday Thursday mm-hmm. or Tuesday Thursday versus Tuesday, Friday was to put the lower levels on the Monday, Thursday, Tuesday, Friday, and the mm-hmm. upper levels on the Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday. Because I do know students mix, mm-hmm. right, upper and level, and so do faculty. Let's right. be clear, right? So this means that most people should be able to get a three-day schedule. Mm-hmm. Right, and that works pretty nicely. Not having everything on one day, right, right, or on two days, where you can do a Monday Thursday for two courses and a Monday Wednesday, so you have Monday that's heavy, mm-hmm. but then the others are spread out right. and gives you a little better spread out of your courses. It also allows for, I think, a little more um, better planning of your own homework, right, right. If it's not all due on the same day, mm-hmm. you know, a little more spreading that out and. And a better connection to being here. I don't right. think it serves students very well to only have a two-day schedule. Mm-hmm. And I don't, don't think it's good educationally, you know, piling yeah. them all up on two days. Mm-hmm. But I also think, you know, just sort of, especially for freshmen, when you're transitioning into college, there's this weird thing that happens where you have been so scheduled through high school, right. and suddenly the schedule drops away. And sometimes that dropping away can be a, a liability
0: mm-hmm. students
1: have a trouble managing and remembering you know that to be engaged in all of it all the time. By spreading it out, it helps uh, helps the student manage it. So it was really both for pedagogical reasons, mm-hmm. but also for sort of logistical reasons. We also, what didn't get as much conversation is standardized the schedule, right. right? So we have a good solid 15 minutes between classes instead of yeah. 10 now, and they happen on the hour and the half hour, and there's a staggering between the two campuses, which should yeah. make it more efficient when you have to go between, because in the old model you really needed to leave two class periods. Yeah. And now you should be able to do it with just one because of the staggering. Right. So we've really tried to maximize mm-hmm. that as well. And I think it makes it easier to know, like, where do I need to be? <laughs> you know, Or if you have to get across from the science building to Whitehall or whatever, And the 15 minutes you know, with a little lag time yeah. is a really a lot better than, than 10.
0: Absolutely. You know, so,
1: so it's a lot of things, but it's an experiment in terms of whether or not this is the perfect model. I think the spreading out is the right thing, mm-hmm. you know, but making sure that we have it balanced, you know. So you will see if you look at the schedule that there are a certain number of 100 and 200 levels that are on Monday, Wednesday, and Tuesday, Thursday. Mm-hmm. Not a lot, but just enough to give people a buffer to manage it right. all, right? You know, but we had to limit that so we could spread it.
0: And I think like anything else that I've seen while I've been here, you know, since the dark ages again, um, it takes a year for people to adjust to it, and then they have no memory of of right. anything else. It's, right. it's, it's traumatic in the inception mm-hmm. and the conception, and then it works. You know? Well, I hope so. Yeah. But again, I
1: continuously monitor, right. you know, I mean, I don't, I never think we're done.
0: No. Right. No.
1: Um, I'm, I'm actually... Hoping that I get some uh, better predictive software to, to really predict what classes we need at particular times mm-hmm. as opposed to us Just trying to figure it out from tradition, you know right. in terms of actually this is linked to the four-year plan mm-hmm. Right, so if students in degree works if students actually file a four-year plan Right, right. then we know when they're planning to take things mm. and then we could say oh we need an extra section of X that semester Right. Now we're not there yet, but that's the goal. Right. Right. To get everybody really using them well mm-hmm. so that I can say, Oh, I'm gonna need to have another research methods mm-hmm. this fall, but I don't need one next fall because everybody's planning to catch up here. And really make it a little stronger mm-hmm. in how we do our scheduling. Right. Right now we're doing it that that at the department level by saying, Okay, we have this many majors mm-hmm. and you know, it's it's really pretty manual process. Yeah. I would like it to be more gen- generated right. by oh, everybody filed they wanna take mm-hmm x this semester let's try to make sure we have enough sem- sections so again we're not there yet but actually degree works is a big tool in that mm-hmm. if we use the four-year plans well
0: right and i think at some point we're going to be talking with uh keith from the registrar's office about degree works mm-hmm. and, and that kind of thing so good um let me talk to you the other topic that i wanted to talk just a little about is there's been a shift over the last couple of years that's been being worked on from that traditional requirements kind of i don't know how to explain it well Mm -hmm. but are requirements to a competencies based um general education sure can you talk a little bit about that
1: sure well let me just start with the the basics we changed our gen ed curriculum period Mm -hmm. right without getting all caught up in competency versus distributive which is what we did right uh, we changed the gen curriculum, and it was implemented two years ago. Uh, and really, in two more years, we should have the last of the students who were in the old model. We have the, everybody coming in is on the new model. But uh, if in the world outside of Western Connecticut State University, competency has a different meaning than perhaps we are understanding it as. What I think the best way to understand our new general education curriculum is to describe it as learning outcomes across the curriculum. Okay. okay. So, for example, we used to say everybody needs a communication skills course, mm-hmm. and they took one of four courses. Now we say everybody needs to have an oral communication course, and we have agreed upon learning outcomes for oral communication. Now, truthfully, the majority of those courses are still being offered in communication, mm-hmm. but a certain number of them are being offered in other areas. You know, so here's a good example. Our students who are going to be educators Mm -hmm. have several methods courses where they have to do instruction and demonstrate their ability to teach a lesson. What a great place to tweak oral competency. Absolutely. So they might take a communication class, but they may also take it in their major Mm -hmm. where they're practicing standing in front of a room, delivering a lesson, getting critiqued, you know, and getting a really good. Uh, feedback mm-hmm. on how to deliver a presentation and understand how to, to make that presentation. So it allows students to then engage with that particular skill set in their major, right? Right? Or reinforce it, you know, because there's this idea in our genetic curriculum that you will take three of these competencies, our uh, learning outcome categories, twice, or three, mm-hmm. yeah, twice. So you might say, I'm going to take public speaking and then I'm going to take it in my methods course. So I really focus on mm-hmm. that. Um, we will also see that, say, for example, in um, uh, writing, right? Okay. We have the writing, uh, the W course, mm-hmm. as we used to call it, in already in our curriculum. Right. So you can master your second level writing in um, all, anybody who wants to teach a writing intensive. Mm-hmm. And in fact, over the years, that's happened. You know, we have writing that's taught in the traditional areas of English and in writing classes, but we also have it in sociology with a W on it. We have it in communication with a W, managerial writing. This allows students to really focus. So that's what the big shift is. We've shifted to that. Most of it is still, I mean, the the competencies, though, don't stand alone. They're still in courses. So students are still taking 40 credits of Mm -hmm. gen ed. And in some cases, they're mastering competencies in major, sometimes out of major. But they're doing it there.
0: Great. That's, okay. I think, the best way I've heard that explained yet. So thank you for that. I think we're you know just about ready to wrap. So I'm, I'm wondering if there's getting back to that idea of a four-year plan. Mm-hmm. What are some kinds of general advice that you would give to students as they're getting started on this path to make that idea of a four-year plan or if it needs to be a five-year plan for them? you know How, how would you suggest they go about that?
1: Sure. Start with looking at the majors of interest to you and just what are the requirements. Look at how they should be organized. Look at some of the sample four-year plans we have for you. Think about all of the experiences that you want in your undergraduate time and then how you're going to fit them in. I think that's the best way to go about it. I would add just one little piece, which is maybe you could think about your four-year plan this way. What would you like your resume to say when you graduate? Mm-hmm. What are all the experiences you want to have as an undergraduate that you want reflected on your transcript mm-hmm. that you can then translate into a dis- discussion of who you are for your next steps after you leave here? And really think of it that way. And, of course, meet with your advisor. Those are the best steps.
0: Yeah. I think yeah. we're going to be um, we're talking actually a little later this week about talking to an advisor and some things on getting ready for registration, especially for our first-year students who haven't done that on their own yet so Mm -hmm. you know i think that's great advice for them as they're getting ready and going into this so thank you very much for joining us today i hope that we'll have reason for you to come back
1: thank you very much (laughs) my pleasure i'm happy to join you anytime
0: great thanks